Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. Is winning the ACC title and being undefeated enough to get Florida State into the college football playoff with a backup quarterback? You'd think so, but there's still a chance they could be held out. When the Seminoles play Louisville in the ACC title game at 8 p.m. Saturday, you'd expect them to lay claim to one of four CFP spots as an undefeated conference champion if they're victorious. Yet it's conceivable the CFP selection committee could put someone else in if they don't see Florida State as a viable candidate because they lost starting quarterback Jordan Travis to a terrible leg injury just two weeks ago. But first, the Seminoles have to take care of business, and Louisville would love nothing more than to make the committee's decision a little bit easier. On today's podcast, I welcome in Alexis Cubitt of the Louisville Courier-Journal and Essen Kassim of the Tallahassee Democrat to break down this Saturday's ACC title game. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper and, of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Florida State wants to be undefeated. Louisville wants to win its first ACC title in football. Let's break down this Saturday's game, then look ahead to the playoffs with Alexis and Essen. Alexis, welcome to your first visit to the podcast. Thanks, Tim, for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here in Essen. Welcome back for your second appearance in two weeks. Yeah, no, I like being a regular in the show. Absolutely. But we're going to start with Alexis today. Uh, we we want to talk a little bit about the ACC title game here in a minute. But first, I want to start with what happened this past weekend. So Louisville comes into its rivalry game against Kentucky. It's a shootout. But in the end, Kentucky got the better of the rival Louisville. So Alexis, what went wrong in this game for the Cardinals? I think the biggest thing, I mean, they had two big turnovers and gave up a lot of big plays on defense, which is uncharacteristic. I mean, defense hasn't given up much this season, especially in the red zone, um, but gave up some big plays, particularly to uh, Ray Davis, who's obviously a stellar running back. But, I mean, he had two 20-yard catching touchdowns. So those things kind of caught up to them. And it just seemed like they ran out of gas. Um, You know, the first half, they kind of kept it close, had the 10-7 lead, and then you know, just gave up a ton of points there in the second half. So I would say just some defensive breakdowns and then two really big turnovers that Kentucky used for, for 10 points, which when you look at the score, that was pretty much the game. Yeah, I can tell you as a University of Florida grad, I don't like hearing the name Ray Davis. Boy, that guy is good. And uh, yeah, he he wreaks some havoc on us. So uh, Essen, Florida State, they played their own big rivalry game against the Gators, who were scrappy, but obviously the Seminoles got the better of them. So how did Tate Rodemaker look in his first meaningful start for the Florida State Seminoles? And how did the team look as a whole against the Gators? 
Yeah, I mean, um, they came out a little sloppy, fell down 12 nothing. There was a lot of anxious moments. Looked like the team could come apart. Just were um, just did not look prepared to play a rival, and they got punched in the mouth. But um, responded well. Tate, you know, bounced back really well from taking a safety in the end zone on a sack to leading a, um, a touchdown drive before the half, and then they took the lead on on the first drive. Driving pretty well, getting a Trey Benson touchdown. Looked like they were going to run away with the game, but Florida hung around and, but Florida State the end did enough to win by nine. The defensive pressure got to Max Brown, remind everyone he was a first year quarterback, and it was a good overall finish for Florida State. One they needed to obviously get to, well they were in this game anyways, but to get to this game with a chance to go to the playoffs. Yeah. Now Tate Rodemaker also. How would you judge his performance against the Gators? It was um, what kind of what I expected. I um, was pleasant surprised he didn't throw any interceptions or fumble it, but I wasn't expecting a 300-yard, four-touchdown performance from him. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, first meaningful start in years, and that came with the swamp. He's been in the system for four years, but it's a different speed to play in a game compared to and when the game matters because he's coming up in mop, mop up beauty when the game actually matters and you have to come in and um, try winning a game or doing really well, doing a lot. Um, I think Florida confused with the pressure. There was at times he just looked confused in the pocket. Didn't have the best pocket presence got hit a few times. So be interesting to see. I think it probably slows down from a little bit now that he had the first game, but it was a probably a C plus B minus game from him. Hey, that's not too bad when your first game is against your in-state rival. And also, after watching that game, you can clearly see how Mike Norvell is just has a little bit of a coaching edge over Billy Napier, and maybe that will come by Napier's fourth year, as, as Norvell is in his fourth year with the Seminoles. Now, let's look at the ACC title game. Now that we've looked back, let's look forward. And Alexis, considering this is kind of a Florida-centric podcast, obviously, I'm not sure how well-versed our audience is with the Louisville Cardinals. So I want to start with breaking down the team a little bit, and we're going to start with their offense. So talk about quarterback Jack Plummer, their dynamic running back, Jahar Jordan, and the rest of this offense. Uh, just tell us about how they operate, what they're best at, and what they're going to bring at Florida State. Yeah, I would say this offense is is very balanced, um, especially when it can get clicking right away. I mean, like you mentioned, you know, they really have three running backs that, that can go at any time with Jawar, Isaac Garendo, and Maurice Turner. Jawar has been a little banged up since the pit game. So it, it has taken its toll on the offense, in my opinion, because he is the igniting force there. Um, so there haven't been as many explosive plays just because, like I said, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Um, he's a little slowed down, but Isaac Garendo's kind of come in and, and been a, a different kind of runner. I, Isaac is a lot, I mean, he's quick, but he's a lot stronger and just has a lot more power than Jawar, where Jawar is kind of twitchy and quick and can really get to that uh, that second level in a hurry. Um, and Maurice Turner's similar to Jawar, I would say, more so than, than Isaac and, and having those kind of reflexes and being able to just kind of be quick up the field. Um, but yeah, the running game, which... I mean, if anybody's watched or knows anything about Jeff Brom, it's kind of ironic to say that the run game <laughs> is, you know, something that is powering this offense, given his his uh, success with the pass game and the quarterbacks that he's put in the NFL. Um, but that's not to say that they don't have an effective pass game because they have some really capable receivers. Jack Plummer obviously was in Jeff Brom's system at Purdue for four years, uh, took the one year to go to Cal, but is now 
reunited with him here at uh, Louisville. But I think Jack has made some good decisions. I think sometimes when he's made not good decisions, they've been in critical moments. So it kind of gets amplified. Um, as, as Jeff has said, you know, Jack sometimes can maybe get in his head and just not make good decisions because he's pressing a little too much. So I think just with, you know, someone older, um, six-year guy, you kind of want um, a little more experience there and a little more um, poise. But I think he's figuring out and just realizing he can trust the guys around him. And, you know, it always helps that you can just kind of dump the ball off to someone like Jawar Isaac, as I mentioned. Um, so, yeah, this offense is obviously, you know, ranked in, in several statistical categories, top 20, 10, 20 nationally. Um, and as Mike Norvell said yesterday, you know, he called Brom one of the, you know, the best offensive minds in the country. And that's shown a lot at Purdue. And, and now the ACC is getting a little taste of it uh, this season. Yeah, definitely. It, it's a shame with uh, Jordan Travis out because you could have a battle of two really experienced six-year quarterbacks. So it's a shame we won't get that. But Essen, hearing what Alexis is saying about the Louisville offense, uh, how has Florida State coach Mike Norvell indicated he's going to prepare for this Louisville offense? He was asked about that today. Um, he mentioned, you know, the running backs, the wide receivers. It's a it's a talented group, and I think Florida State. I think interesting has placed like uh, was three straight games or four straight games of a freshman quarterback starting. So it's gonna be interesting to see when they actually have to face a quarterback that has experience, how they react, how they game plan for that. Since compared to Max Brown, obviously last week is the most obvious recent example. Florida, um, you have a quarterback who is going to be know what kind of blitz systems, know how to pick up blitzes, know how to react in certain situations when you're getting um, pressured heavily. So it's going to be interesting to see how they react to that. Obviously, the weapons around that. Louisville is a very good team. Um, I expect it to be a good game. All righty. Now, Alexis, on the other side of the ball, let's take a look at Louisville's defense. Now, Ashton Gelati, he's a beast. He's among the nation's leaders in sacks. You know, he he gets to the quarterback really quick. Talk about him as a player and who else the Seminoles will need to watch on Louisville's defense. I think the biggest thing for Ashton is he sat behind two really good players and Yaya Diaby and Yasir Abdullah, who are both now in the NFL. I think Yasir just, I'm sorry, Yaya made a start, his first career start uh, as a rookie this past Sunday. So he learned from some really, really talented guys. But I think when it comes to to Ashton, I mean, he's just, so dominant and so strong and he actually can be pretty quick um you know to the ball and getting in the backfield and one of the things this season with this coaching staff has done with him is playing him in multiple positions so he's not just you know in the interior he's on the edge too and been able to obviously capitalize um he his goal i think his mom posted on social media was 10 sacks and he's he's reached his goal there um and so obviously the next one group wise would be this ACC championship game. Um, but no, just a really, you know, like I said, experienced guy who's got some good experience um, in terms of just, you know, being that starter for the past, I think, two two years. Um, and then just the, def- the defense as a whole. I mean, you have quite a few guys. I think the, the defensive line, you have to start there because they do have so many talented guys um, on that side. And they've been able to rotate a lot more um, as the season has gone on. One that sticks out to me Jermaine Lolay, who, you know, has struggled with injuries for the past three years at Arizona State um, and was at one point, you know, considered one of the best interior defensive linemen in the country two years ago. So I think having him healthy has has really helped 
Louisville, um, his statistics may not exactly show up right now, but that's just because, like I said, he's been working his way back um, and, and looks to be full go having started the past few games. Um, you look at another guy, you know, Stephen Heron isn't exactly getting in the stats, but, you know, he's getting pressure on the quarterback. You have, you know, Devin Neal and then another one who's, you know, probably one of the, the best players on the team, TJ Quinn. You know, this is his first year really getting a true chance. He didn't play a whole lot last year. Um, but this year with him now, you know, getting that sort of starting job at linebacker because they <laughs> the cover was bare there. Um, he's just been dynamic, uh, made a lot of really good, strong plays earlier this season to kind of help Louisville to some of those closer wins. Um, obviously a legacy kid with his dad having played at, at Louisville and, and, you know, doing really well. So it's, it's a genetics at this point, some, some red, red and white genetics, um, coming in there to play. But then you look at the secondary, you know, Jarvis Brownlee, who Florida state fans might know a little bit about, um, you know, he's been kind of battling with some health stuff, but, you know, when he, him and Quincy there, um, at corner, obviously, uh, really good, but, Still, you know, they have some guys who have stepped in. I mean, Storm Duck has stepped in for Jarvis and been able to to kind of uh, keep the ship afloat there. So they have some good positions at secondary, although, like I said, they gave up some big plays. Um, we'll be very interested. I mean, probably going to get to this. Uh, interested to see how they match up against some of Florida State's wide receivers. But um, overall, I mean, you've got a lot of really strong pieces. Um, Cam Kelly being another one there at safety. So you've got a lot of strong pieces on defense, and that's why you know, they've been able to to do what they've been able to do this season. Yeah, Essen, we're going to talk about the receivers here in a minute, but my first question for you is, who is going to be tasked at stopping Gelati and the rest of the rush to keep tape uh, Rodemaker upright? And how have the Seminoles been at stopping some of the better uh, the defensive ends around the ACC? Yeah, no, I think um, the offensive line of protection has been a concern for Florida State. I mentioned to you guys, I had a the um, Florida game where they struggled against North Alabama was a major concern for me. They performed decent in the second half, but really struggled in the first half where Tate was, um, Rodemaker was under constant pressure, was um, having a rollout a little bit as well. Um, Maurice Smith kind of went down with an ankle injury in the third quarter, coaches mentioned. Uh, um, he, fin- he was able to finish the game, but that's someone I always have to keep an eye on because that's a center. He's very important. Um, Dimitri Emanuel kind of started at left tackle but moves around. Robert Scott was healthy enough to play but didn't play. So um, Florida State's kind of rotated eight guys in five spots this year, with Maurice Smith being the one guy who kind of stays the constant. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, the offensive line has not been the strong suit for the team, so if Louisville gets some pressure on them, could make that game interesting. All right, and Alexis, when you look at the Florida State offense, obviously, you know, Rodemaker aside, you have a really great running back back there in Trey Benson, who had his way, especially in the second half last week against the Gators. So do you see Louisville as trying to maybe keep an extra man forward to stop the run? Or do you think they've seen enough of Rodemaker where they're going to respect this pass game, especially given the receivers that they do have? So how, how is Louisville indicating that they're going to prep for this offense? Yeah, I think that's the the interesting thing about what Louisville has been able to do this year defensively is that they do make a lot of adjustments and, you know, have show multiple looks. Um, So I think, you know, you have to obviously respect the run, but they've been really good at at stopping the run this season. I think they're ranked top five or 10 in in run defense. Um, Of course, you know, that that's 
not against Florida State, um, but they do have experience playing Trey Benson last year. Um, I think at that last year was three, three running backs that Florida State had one obviously transferred out. But um, a lot of those guys are back on the team and, and know, you know, um, have experience having played them. But yeah, I think first and foremost, you kind of have to give respect to the run game just because, like I said, that is what Louisville has been efficient at and better at. Um, but at the same time, I think you you still have to have that kind of, you know, pay attention for the, those down the field shots because, I mean, I, I don't think it's forgotten upon Louisville fans. I don't know about Florida State fans, but Tate beat <laughs> Louisville last year in Louisville. Um, Jordan Travis got hurt in that game. So, you know, it, it's not like it, it's someone that they're not familiar with. This is someone that they have seen before um, for both Tate and, and Benson. So, yeah, I think I think the first thing they're going to have to do is definitely, you know, what they've been good at, and that's stopping the run. Um, and, and then once they do see those shots, just kind of try to, to make adjustments as necessary. Yeah, really great points about the game last year. Uh, you know, Essen, how much faith does Norvell have in Rodemaker at this point now that he does have, you know, his his one first really difficult start under him? And talk about the health of the Seminoles receivers. I mean, look, they've got two guys, really three, that would be a number one on just about any team in the country. They've been a little banged up, but they've been playing. So talk about the receivers and the faith that Norvell has in Rodemaker. He has full faith in Rodemaker. Alex Atkins, offensive coordinator, they speak highly of him. Rodemaker's been in this offense for four years. He knows the ins and out. He knows the playbook. He um, And that, that one thing Florida State does a lot, and Norval talked about this when we got him last week um, before practices um, or after practice, was um, they rotate quarterbacks during practice. So Rodemaker does throw to the ones a lot. He threw to the twos a lot as well, but he threw to the ones a lot. So he has a connection to Keon Coleman. With Johnny Wilson, with all these guys, um, he is. They have full faith in the players. Have full faith in him. They back him up. They have full confidence in him. And you know, last game when he had to make the plays, when he had to um, was in spots, he had to make throws. He had a great fourth and three throw to um, Jakai Douglas, which converted the first down, which um, set up a Trey Benson touchdown later. But they have full faith in him to run the offense, do everything. They're not dumbing the offense down with him versus. Jordan Travis, they are going to run the same offense that, like Luck just mentioned, um, they played each other. Um, you know, Tate Rodbaker's really built his conference last year in that Louisville matchup when he won that game. He's talked about how that was a turning point for him. I talked to his dad last week, um, following the game, um, after, after he became the starter, and he mentioned the same thing. Said that just that game unlocked what he believes in himself and the team believes in him that he does have the potential got there. So, we it could be interesting. Uh, I do think they have full faith in him. They let him do everything that they let Jordan Travis. Obviously, he's not Jordan Travis. I don't think we can miss, you know, make that mistake of that. But um, as for the receiver's health, Keon Coleman looks 100% healthy. Johnny Wilson looks good to go. He made some great catches. Um, you know, one sideline grab where he got a um, toe it, you know, his foot in. Ja'Kai Douglas is fully healthy. Um, Darian Williamson returned last week and played some. And then um, the two guys we're keeping an eye on would be Destin Hill and Heike Williams. Destin Hill has been listed as a co-starter at the um, slot position all season. And Heike Williams is a five-star prospect. Both of them missed the last game. Heike Williams has been out for a few games. I think believe Destin Hill's missed the last two. So those are two receivers that are more depth pieces, but weapons on the less if they're on the field. 
All right. Now, Alexis, while Kentucky, you know, they're a pretty good SEC team. So that really, you know, you lose by a touchdown in a shootout. That That's not that bad. But Louisville's other loss was October 14th to a Pittsburgh team where normally that wouldn't be a bad loss, but Pittsburgh's a bad team this year. So what's kind of the Achilles heel of Louisville this year, especially in those two losses? Are they a team that kind of gets down and stops competing? Or, you know, what what's the thing that you look at and say, gosh, if that didn't happen, may, maybe they wouldn't have lost this game? Well, if you look at uh, Brahm's record, uh, he has not historically done well after big wins. And that was coming off of the Notre Dame game. Um, so if you are superstitious in that aspect, you might say that. Um, but, but in general, I think, you know, like you mentioned, yes, Pitt was not great this year. But playing at, at Pittsburgh is hard because of just the environment they have. Um, they're always going to have a very gritty kind of gutty team, um, even if they may not <laughs> may not show up on, on the, the win loss record. But I think the biggest thing in that game was not having Jawar. Um, I don't know that they had necessarily built up the the confidence in the other running backs as much um, at that point. Um, and I don't know how much they didn't, they knew or were comfortable with Jawar going because he's been dealing with, like I said, the hamstring thing has been for a while. Um, he had Jarvis who was injured during the game. So a lot of things happened during the game. You had an O lineman who uh, slipped during pregame warmups and ended up uh, suffering a season ending knee injury that required stuff, surgery, excuse me. So a lot of things happened in that game that just kind of, I think, maybe threw them off a little bit. But, you know, just just little things here or there, uh, costly mistakes that ended up, you know, being the game. You know, again, big plays on defense that were given up um, and just just not being as efficient offensively. So, no, that's one that, you know, is, is definitely especially now in the position that they're in is is one you kind of look back and and kind of wonder what if, you know, what if, you know, Renato doesn't get hurt? What if? Uh, Jarvis is healthy. What if, you know, Juar doesn't have an injury? I mean, you're looking at potentially, um, like you mentioned, the the Kentucky loss, obviously, for people here is an extremely big deal because it's a rivalry game. But in the grand scheme of things, had they that been their only loss is to Kentucky and they won that pit game? I mean, I think you could potentially talk about either uh, the winner of the ACC championship going to the college football playoff, where now, you know, if Louisville does win in this game, it's going to be a hard sell to get a two loss team, especially one of which those losses came to pit um, to the college football playoff. Whereas, you know, if, if Florida state loses it and the ACC championship, it's not, it's, it's seen differently. Or if they win, you know, it, I don't see them not making the college football playoff. So no, the pit one is one that it kind of a, a stinging mark on their record um, where it was just kind of a lot of things going wrong, but particularly just, um, Costly mistakes, just not. I think Jack had uh, an interception, like kind of at the end of the game or kind of uh, at a crucial moment where they could have used, you know, a, a drive that that potentially, you know, whether field goal or touchdown, they needed those points there. So, yeah, that's that's definitely one that uh, you kind of still scratch your head about for sure. Yeah, and it is a shame because you're right. I, I don't think that they would get considered for a CFP uh, spot with those two losses. But hey, they would win their first ACC football title, which would be a big deal for that school. I think that would be, you know, a big boon going forward for them. So, uh, you know, Essen, Alexis brings up a point here about the CFP championship. Let's say Florida State does win this game. They're undefeated, but then something screwy happens, like Georgia knocks off Alabama or Oregon knocks off Washington. 
Do you think the CFP committee could somehow in good conscience leave Florida State out because they don't think they're worthy of a Final Four spot without Jordan Travis? Or do you think an undefeated ACC champ has to be a lock for a spot? An undefeated ACC champion has to be a lock for a spot. I just have a hard time of you're just saying the regular season does not matter at that point that you're saying and look I, I get the arguments Jordan no Jordan Travis you they've not played the best schedule but they're undefeated and they just uh, would win the ACC championship I think that's why you play the game I think at that point they deserve to be in the playoffs and the outcry the anger would be a lot from the Florida State side It'd be interesting to see what happens. I just I don't think they're gonna do that. I think it would be a huge mistake for them to leave Florida State out when they went undefeated. Forget the quarterback. There's plenty of talent all around this team to why they are deserving to be in the spot. Yeah, I think that uh, that would be one of the few times where even Florida fans might be like that. That's wrong to do to Florida State because if if they're thirteen and zero and a conference champion, but they choose to go with. Uh, one loss Georgia and one loss Alabama to go with maybe like a Michigan and a Washington or something that would that would just be insane so I guess we'll we'll find out the next day there we won't have to wait long for the answer but you know this is the point of the podcast where I like to have you guys since you're the beat writers you get to go out to practices you see the games in person you know I'd like you guys to ask each other a question you would like to know about the others team so we're going to start with uh, Essen what would you like to ask Alexis about the Louisville Cardinals yeah just you know, um, who would have thought a year ago when we were, you know, sat down for that interview when Carter was still here, you know, for the podcast, that this would be ACC championship game. Um, you know, what has what has Jeff Brown brought to the program to turn around that short time? Yeah, no, it's it really is crazy to think about that, because I never would have thought at, at this point a year ago, it'd be, you know, that this position, because about a year and a half ago, we were talking about. Scott Satterfield potentially being fired for, you know, a two and three start. Um, Jeff has brought a, I don't want to be corny, but he's brought just kind of a, a restored hope, I think, for Louisville football. This is a guy who, you know, we've written about it at Nazi almost at this point, but this is a guy who is back home. You know, he, he grew up here. His family is essentially football royalty here. I mean, they've got a football stadium named after him at his middle school. You know, he's very active in his church, grew up, you know, in Catholic school. Uh, his dad is still on the the high school football coaching staff um, where he went at Trinity. Uh, you know, him and his brothers obviously went to Louisville. Uh, two quarterbacks, the wide receiver, all of whom, you know, were letter winners and, and had their own, their resp- or excuse me, they had success in their own respects. Um, so this is a guy that, that the fan base has been wanting for five, six years now. Um, and now that he's back, you know, you, you just wonder sometimes with these situations where, where guys come back to, you know, their alma mater, their hometown and how it's going to go. Um, but obviously it's gone really well. I mean, you couldn't have written up a better story in terms of what, what Jeff's been able to do. I mean, he had, you know, success with keeping together for the most part, the, the 2023 recruiting class. Um, he put together a really good transfer portal class, um, you know, kept some really good pieces and, and found ways to to really work uh, them all together. And, and just he really just is a very competitive person from what I've gathered and will do whatever it takes to win. Um, that's obvious because you've had, you know, running backs that are more involved in the pass game. You've had receivers, you know, coming out of the backfield. 
Um, you've had guys on defense, like I said, kind of moving to different spots. Um, so I think that's one of the good things about him, too, is that he, he is open minded in terms of being willing to. Uh, to find playmakers, you know, their strengths and play to those. Um, so it's just been a really, really interesting season, uh, like you said, considering what it was a year ago um, and, and just the the culture that he's brought. I mean, these guys are playing harder. You know, last year they lost so many close games, the Florida State, State game being one of them. This year they've won just about every close game, um, save for the, the Governor's Cup. Um, so, yeah, it's just been a really interesting uh, shift in, in vibe, culture, uh, you know, playmaking, scheming, all those type of things that that has really set him up for success. I mean, you saw that at Purdue, but it's a little different now being in Louisville because this is someone that, you know, Purdue obviously didn't know anything about him coming from Western Kentucky, but, you know, Louisville has been paying attention to him probably since he was, <laughs> you know, Pop Warner. Um, so, it's just definitely been a very uh, exciting time here. And you can feel it. I mean, they've had two sellout crowds this season, both of which were stadium records. So just a really, really special season for sure. All right. And Alexis, what would you like to ask Essen about Florida State? I think for me, when I look at Florida State, I mean, obviously they've been so dominant, but we kind of talked about earlier just this this offense. Um, I guess, how do you see that playing out in terms of are they going to go to to the run game first, or do you think they'll be a little more balanced in the way that they attack Louisville's defense? I definitely think they'll be balanced. Um, that's one thing that they strive to. I think if you look at the um, – I don't have the numbers of Florida, Florida game on top of me, but North Alabama was even. Miami was even. Um, Wake Forest, Pitt, they ran the ball as much as they passed it. So – that's always been what they want to do. They want to be have a very balanced offense. Um, run sets up the um, the pass game and the pass game sets up the run game. They need both to be successful. Um, obviously, the rush game has not always been there this year. Trey Benson had you know 90 yards and a three touchdowns last game, but they've had a tough time run, getting a run game going against Florida. They had that first half they struggled to run the ball. I believe at one point they had 53 rushing yards. And Trey Benson's 36 yards came on one play. Um, obviously, that takes into account sacks and stuff as well. But they have um, at times struggled to run the ball, but they will continue to stick with the run, even if it's getting one or two yards, just to make to keep a defense honest instead of a pass. All righty. Well, now, you know, I'm looking at the early weather report for this game, and it looks like Friday it's going to start raining in North Carolina, and it's going to continue on for four days there. By game time at 8 o'clock Saturday night, it's going to be somewhere in the low to mid-50s, and will have been raining for a full day. So, Alexis, you first. Has Louisville had many uh, weather-challenged games this year, and how have they fared if they have? Tim, the uh, the pit game actually was in in rain, so not well. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of some more. So let's see. Um, that game is the one that sticks out the most to me in terms of weather. They've been fortunate enough to have uh, quite a few home games, and then they had two neutral site games, both of which were were domes. Uh, with the Lucas Oil Stadium and the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So they haven't had to deal with too much bad weather, um, which is, has been nice. Um, but, yeah, that that's it's kind of funny you should mention that because, yeah, the, the pit game was the one that was that was in the rain. So uh, we'll, we'll see how, uh, you know, they can respond to that. 
Yeah, this might be a heavy run game. Essen, have the Seminoles faced any ugly weather this year, and how have they done in that? And, uh, you know, they're from Florida, so they don't like cold weather very much. Yeah, I mean, um, seven days ago, or sorry, seven days ago from the game, so that was two days ago. Days don't make sense anymore. Um, since the drone Travis injury, it's been a whirlwind of days. But, um, yes, um, at Florida, it was um, raining pregame, and I, I could not tell, but it looked like it was on and off throughout the game. It was cold. That's uh, being an open air press box is fun when it's that cold and raining, but that's beside the point. Um, yeah, they played decently well. The offense, you know, all things considered, played decent. Um, I believe the Boston College game earlier this year when the Hurricanes decided to keep following us around everywhere, there was actually no rain, but it was windy. They played, you know, got off a good start, then let Boston College back into the game. But yeah, overall, they haven't played too many weather games this year, but. They also live in Florida, so they practice in the weather. A couple of weeks ago, it was raining, and we're like, we're going to be inside today, but Norval just kept the team outside, so they'll be fine in weather. Well, trust me, Essen, I would take cold and rainy in that open-air press box than September 150 degrees in the swamp in an open-air press box. Trust me on that one. So be glad you, you got, got there the late in the season. <laughs> now we're going it, to – it's prediction time. So Florida State's coming into the game four-and-a-half-point favorite. So, Alexis, you first. Do you take Louisville in the points? Do you take Louisville to win outright? Or do you take Florida State to win? How do you see this one going? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna probably not great for for my my readership, but I'm gonna have to say Florida State in this one. I just feel like they've been so dominant this season, and Louisville has has not played well um, away from home. I mean, they've obviously won some close games, so they've done enough to win. But I think just against the caliber of Florida State, it's going to be really tough. Um, I don't see this game being a blowout um, because I think Louisville is still a really, really good team. I just feel like, you know, Florida State has that edge right now in terms of just what they've been able to do. Um, it seems like they've been able to to limit their mistakes or not let them kind of pile up as much as Louisville has in some moments. Um, but I do think, like I said, I do think it's going to be a competitive game, and I can definitely see this one going down to the wire just with, you know, after losing the Governor's Cup, I think they're going to be a little bit salty, have that chip on their shoulder even more. Um, and in a lot of ways, you know, it, they feel like they really haven't gotten the the national respect that they feel like they deserve, um, which is understandable in some ways. But I definitely can see this and kind of going down to the wire. But I'm going to give the edge to to Florida State. All right. And how do you see it, Essen? Yeah, I just when you're done scoring my head, I'll go 34-27. I do think it's me a close game. Florida State pulls it off. I do think it's me a close game. I have I like watching Louisville play this year. I think they're a respectable team. Um, you know, like we might talk about earlier, Jeff Brom has done a lot to bring that um, program back, and it's been fun to watch. They have some great weapons um, that have been pretty good. I think Florida State wins this by two scores if Jordan Travis is healthy, but with a Tate, Tate Rodemaker, I think this is a good game. It's close throughout. Florida State gets a late touchdown, goes ahead, and wins, pulls a win off. Yeah, I think they're going to have to rely heavily on that uh, experienced defense. And you're right. I think that uh, this one could have gotten out of hand with Jordan Travis, but it's going to be a close one. It's going to be fun. I would take Florida State and covering with the points, too. So, guys, I think you have done a wonderful job breaking down this game. You can find all of Alexis's work at courier-journal.com and all of Essen's work at tallahassee.com. And, Alexis, where can people find you on social media if they want to easily find an aggregation of all of your work? 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter slash X at Alexis underscore Qubit. Um, my last name is spelled C-U-B-I-T and Alexis with one X. All righty. And Essen, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at Essen underscore Kasim. That's E-H-S-A-N underscore K-A-S-S-I-M. And that's where I mostly post everything. And um, if you guys want Taylor Swift tweets as well, you always come for that too. <laughs> Oh boy! I, it, again, a subject for another podcast, but we we could get into that maybe in the off season, Essen. Uh, you know, guys. Again, I I appreciate it. I think you've done a great job breaking down this game, Alexis. It's been nice meeting with you, and I look forward to future visits with you if Louisville plays any more of our in-state teams. Yeah, likewise. I might be at the Orange Bowl with them, so I'll hit you guys up for some recommendations if I am. Absolutely, and Essen. Thanks as always, and uh, we'll see if we're going to be getting together here in a few weeks to talk about a CFP meeting. Oh, man. Yeah, that's um, we're almost there. <laughs> yeah, it, it went quick this year. It's certainly flown by uh, this game. I, I do think it's going to be a slog if it's going to be rainy. I think we're going to see a lot of two talented running backs. Uh, not sure how much they'll open it up if the weather is that bad. Can't wait to see it. 8 p.m. The ACC championship game, Florida State and Louisville, 8 p.m. Saturday. And that will do it for another episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote two-time New York Giants Super Bowl champion Phil Simms, I'm not a guy that believes you've got to have a lot of experience to have success in the playoffs. It's like he was looking into the future and speaking about Tate Rodemaker when he said that many years ago. Thanks for listening, and join me again next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.